listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 543. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our discussion of the Netflix mystery series, Bodies. Now, it's been a while since we've uh, talked, you know, home improvement, but uh-huh. here's, a, here's a pro tip. Okay. If you don't have your desk lamp plugged in, it's not going to work. Okay. I Good. changed the light bulb twice. And then I thought, <laughs> you know what? Let me see if it's plugged in. Oh, and man. it was it was plugged in. It's just the power strip was not plugged right, in. Right, right, right. So it. Uh, anyway, so yeah, now I you have know, two. Like, ex- frustrated you were after that first. You're like, what the god damn it! Man, if I have to replace this effing lamp. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I I just went to Home Depot to buy a bunch of LED bulbs because mm-hmm. federal right. government. Thanks a lot. That's all we can buy now. No, that's oh, fine. Stop it. Yeah, I know. No, nah, that's fine. I'm all for, uh, and, and supposedly they last a lot longer. They do. But, yeah. I've, I've hardly, I can't remember really the last time I bought light bulbs. So they last ages. Yeah, so, yeah. So that's cool. Um, anyway, for you guys out there, a reminder, we typically record on Mondays. So any feedback's got to be in Sunday, 6 p.m. Eastern time. If you're going the audio format, six minute time limit. It's been a while since we thanked our Patreon supporters, Bert, who I believe is in the Netherlands, along with uh, Fred. Don't know if you two guys know each other. I mean, the Netherlands is <laughs> its funny because- It's well, a small oh, country, but it's still a country, Dave. So. Exactly. It's like, you know, when when Mary would tell people where she worked, oh, do you know so-and-so? And she's like, you know, there are like yeah. <laughs> 25,000 people in my- yeah. You know, yeah. little Her, complex yeah. here. They they named the whole area after it. <laughs> so it was like, yeah. Um, <laughs> Joe, aka Cincinnati Joe, Mike, Cindy, Mark, Travis, uh, Richard, Alan in England, Suzanne. Thank you guys. Uh, thank you all a, very very li- much. Yep. Link on the website if you would like to support the cost of producing Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. All right, what are you watching this week? All right, I got two good ones this week. All right. So the first one is, um, you know, I really like the first movie, A Quiet Place. I just, even though the second one was like, I guess, three years old now, I had never seen it. Um, so I finally went and just watched Quiet Place Part Two. It was excellent. It was uh, really outstanding, like horror. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not horror per se. Uh, it's just kind of like, I, don't know, I guess you would call it a horror movie. I, I don't know. It, it You know, it, it's... There's not like jump scares and things like that. It's just, you know, the, the idea there's these creatures um, that have invaded Earth that are blind. So, you know, if you make any sound whatsoever, um, you get instantly and viciously killed, <laughs> grotesquely killed, actually. So it's this uh, this this family and it's like the one kid, two, I think the one daughter is... is is deaf and um so they're already you know like so there's there's that element to it as well but they, you know they're used to communicating through sign language and everything so it's very useful when you have to be super quiet all the time but of course um especially when you have kids and babies and stuff which this is a young family quiet is is often difficult to come by so um great john krasinski uh fabulous actor i love him in in the office loved him in the jack ryan show and uh he's the director and writer of quiet place both of the the first two there's a third one that's coming out this year actually that should be pretty cool but i don't think 
I don't think he's in on that project. Um, second one is uh, Money Heist Berlin that came out, I think, last week, right? I'm not too far behind on it. Um, so it's just following one of the characters from Money, Money Heist and doing his kind of like a job that he pulled pre-Money Heist and everything. Um, oh, see, I saw that. I didn't realize they were connected. I mean, I didn't watch it. I saw it pop up in my feed. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I got they, the idea it was a heist yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know it was connected to Money Heist. Yep. Yeah, and it's so, and you know, I don't even, I didn't look up like the writers and everything. I, I, it must be the same writers because it is so similar in, in tone, and it's like so stylish, and all the characters are so cool, and they dress cool, and they, you know, uh, it's just like great. Like, dude, I'm telling you, Mary will love Money Heist. I, I, like ninety five percent promise you. I know you will too. Like okay. especially with all the the international shows you watch, this one I I, I know you two would love it. You, you got to check it out. And then once okay. you watch Money Heist, you're definitely going to want to watch Berlin because he was he was without a doubt one of the most interesting characters. Not always the most stable character, but very an interesting character. And um, his character goes through a lot of ups and downs and changes in Money Heist itself. So to see him here. Um, and this is, is uh, it's pretty cool. And I know it's good because uh, while I was watching it, my wife came down and she was watching it. And she normally does not like really a lot of the stuff that I like, but um, she was like getting into it. She's like, ah, I got to go to bed. I'm just going to stay up as late as you are watching this. So, uh, so if, if she likes it, then for sure, like it's, it's, it's quality stuff. Guaranteed. All right. All right. Well, we ventured back into our period piece uh, I guess, uh, mindset. And we're watching a show called Belgravia, which was written by Julian Fellows, who did Downton Abbey. And I know one of your favorites and also the I can't Max, get enough of Downton Abbey. Yeah, I know. And the Max series Gilded Age with Carrie Coon, which Supposed you'll probably to be very never good. watch, but yeah, she's really good. I'll never know because I'm, I am jettisoning Max. I am, I am getting rid of all the dead weight of, uh, well, it's not really dead weight, but I'm getting rid of all the, all the extra stuff. I hear you. But, Cutting uh, cable, Max, all that stuff. Is cool. I know it's shocking to hear that from me, but it's, yeah, you know. you'll just pick something else up. But hey, whatever. Yeah, well, um, yeah I gotta keep Netflix. You gotta keep you know Disney Plus. But I think outside of that, I think everything else has gotta go. So, all right. Well, anyway, Belgravia takes place around eighteen twenty, just before the Battle of Waterloo. And it follows this family who's made its fortune essentially through hard work and perseverance, which, of course, is looked down upon by the old money class. Belgravia is actually the the affluent district of London. So, um, you know, it's all about them trying to navigate this world, which is, uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty interesting. Um, I also mentioned a couple weeks back a show called The Buccaneers, which is currently on Apple TV+. Plus. It, it's uh, Edith Wharton's final novel, which was actually published unfinished. I think she had like 29 out of 35 chapters written. And, you know, actually another writer came in and, and took her outline for the final chapters and, and you know, finished it off. But 
Turns out there was also a 1995 BBC version of The Buccaneers starring a very young Carla Gugino in the lead role. So, uh, you know, looked it up online, found it from the library, uh, got it home, and it has no closed captioning. It's like, ah, crap. Fortunately, I found it for free on, uh, I don't know, now I can't the, the name of the free app that I get through Roku is uh, escaping me. Oh, uh, Hoopla, which I think okay. I've mentioned before. You just sign up with your library card. The downside of Hoopla is that you can only get 10 episodes a month. So you have to pick your shows carefully because you don't right. want to like be halfway through a season and uh, although I guess you could get, you know, in your case, get everybody in the family to sign up for an account. Right. Um, but uh, I have done that before. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. All right. So that's uh, that's all I got at this point. So why don't we cool. get on to uh, bodies? And I think we'll, we'll once again preemptively warn people that we are going to spoil things. Uh, you know, there, there's been some talk in the, on the Facebook group and with some feedback about, you know, what's spo- what are we spoiling and what are we not spoiling and, you know, whatever. So just be aware, if you haven't seen all eight episodes, you might want to think about waiting before you listen. All right. So this is episode five of season one titled We Are One Another's Ghosts, written again by Paul Tomalin, directed by Haolu Wang. Series was released October 19th, 2023. You know, each week I feel like I want to say, now, this was a really, really good episode. But yeah, <laughs> they've all, they've I, all I, been. I felt that this one, I I personally like this. And, and what I, you know, as we've talked about before, kind of my um, Geiger counter for measuring the, the quality of a, an episode is if at the end of it, I'm surprised that it's over. You know, I'm like, oh my God, really? You know, it's like 50 minutes just went by just like that, you know. Now, that's not the only thing. And then, of course, it's very subjective. But, um, you know, like at the end of this episode, I'm like, wow, I, that, you know, the, the, there was a really fast pace to this particular episode, which I, I do like that, I have to admit. Plus, they basically, this is the episode where we basically know everything now, right? There's not yeah, so much, much a mystery anymore. Except for I mean, there's you some know, how things- Gabriel got you know, shot and ended up with his body in loads of different time periods. Oh, right. I mean, there are some things that we learn, but some of the things we're just not sure which are true. I mean, you know, for instance, you know, Alfred learns that he's got to frame Henry Ash for the long harvest murder or risk losing his family. And Harker tells him, well, I don't know who killed him. I've never known, which on the one hand implies a time loop, but, and again, this is one of those. He has has no idea. We talked about that last week, right? That's that's what he doesn't know is what happens because he goes back and then loads of stuff goes down after he goes back right and that's he doesn't have any idea of of what that is that's kind of like what uh you know future hassan and gabriel are trying to latch on to but have been unable to break through is the fact that uh you know they they can't no matter what they try they can't stop them right and and 
an interesting question pops up in this episode. We'll get to it in a, l- in a little bit. Whiteman takes action to find out what's going on. And, and I really like his path towards redemption. I have a little problem with uh, the rabbi and, and his advice that, you know, don't ask God, ask her. Well, okay, well, what does that imply? When's he going to get the chance to ask her? Because we we doubt she's done anything that serious that she's not going to go straight to heaven if, if you know, that's the belief system we're, we're dealing with here. Whiteman, on the other hand, it's going to take him a while before but he's I, reunited. You know, I think what the, what the rabbi is saying there is basically like, like if, if you're asking like God for forgiveness, it's kind of like you're looking to, you know, get yourself right with God. You know, like you're you're trying to cleanse your own soul or whatever. He's like, it's really if you want redemption, think about what would you do for the kid. What would what would the what would the kid? How would how could you get her mercy? Well, right. would, is it fair to say he eventually sacrifices himself again? We're I guess you know perhaps moving an episode or two into the future. That's all right. We, could, we 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 told everyone spoilers. Right, right. So, you know, is it fair to say that that his willingness to sacrifice himself maybe gets him a little closer? Because, but on the other hand, he kills two more people along the way. Yeah, but you know, bad people. Oh, okay, bad people, admittedly, but I, I think, again, if we're in that religious belief system, you know, that's for God to decide that they're bad, not you. So, I, I don't know, but, yeah. but I no, mean, the other I, thing. I, I see what you're saying. I, just, I, mean, I think it's just a, a really interesting point that you brought up. I didn't really thought about the rabbi's comments that much, but you're right. They are super important. Yeah, you know, for sure. Um, you know, he is pushed down a path of, of vengeance actually now, right? Yeah, sure. Like, or, or as he says, justice, right? And, you know, remember we had the, we made the, uh, we had the lesson plan that we, I know we all used to do in ninth grade where, you know, is it, is vengeance justice, or is revenge justice and everything? And um, that's, that's a, that's a, a, a good question, right? That I don't think we're going to debate here and now, but. He certainly has a, a just a very straight tunnel vision view of of getting justice for Esther, and that means um, at first I think he thought let's get the bad people who were you know who did this who perpetrated this this crime, um, but now right he's like you know when he sees that the 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 headman here is is in on it then. You know, now it's it's beyond. He's going to move into that next phase, and not just you know arresting. Now he's he's his mind's going to be on murder. And I mean, it's almost as if Esther has been placed in his path to give him a shot at redemption. I mean, you know, as you said, I mean, he says, "I treat people the way they treat me." Till this child, she's dead right. because of me. It's sort of accurate that she's dead because of him but it's sort of not and it's sort of not right it's like mostly not actually that's what i actually wrote in my notes that you know he's beating himself up because he think esther died because of his choices when that's not true like the minute she 
and he actually told Esther that the, the minute you walked in that police station, you put the target on your back. I, I, he said something along those lines, I believe. And that's true. And it's not Esther's fault, right? She was, you know, it, actually, she's probably grifting a little bit, looking for some money, maybe out of the actual heartfelt you know, desire for justice. But th- everything that's happened has happened to him, not because of him. Like, they know. Like, the, the You Are Love group knows everything that goes down. They know where he's going to be. They know what he's going to do. They know which direction he's going to go in the tube station. So it's not really his choices at all. He could have very well decided to go the other way, but they already would have known that he had done that. And so they would have been right there waiting for him no matter where he went. Right. And, you know, on, on the one hand, he learns, you know, some of what you, what's going on, but but certainly, you know, not to the extent that some of the others do when he you know tracks down polly and we essentially have the time loop evidence you know given to us in this episode as you said at the beginning of the discussion we learn a lot here you can't kill me it's not the time now obviously that means a lot to us it doesn't really mean anything in the sense that you know what it actually means it doesn't mean anything to uh whiteman he puts one bullet in the gun and you know and you see her get progressively more frightened right that's the hilarious part because she's like she knows when she's gonna die right and it's not here and not now right she's like it's not the time she says that kind of arrogantly but each time he fires that gun she actually starts to scream a little bit so it's like yeah, she's not quite so confident each time when he pulls that trigger, you know. Right. But does she know, and I assume the answer is no, does she know that somebody in the future is trying to break the loop? And then, uh, therefore, uh, well, maybe this is the time that he does kill me here. So I should be right. afraid because you know as you just implied you know where's her bravado she she should know as you said this is not when and how she's gonna die right Uh, i I guess like you know you have like that confidence in things like that but then when it gets down to it and someone's actually pointing a gun at you and actually pulling the trigger like that confidence kind of goes out the window like she probably thought ah yeah he's not really gonna He's not going to do this because I know I don't die now. He's not going to actually pull the trigger, much less pull it five times and that the the gun doesn't go off. And I remember watching it the first time thinking, well, is she, is she right? Is this like literally not her time so much that he'll even pull the trigger a sixth time or, and the gun will jam or won't fire or not kill her or something. But of course, you know, that sixth bullet does get used. Yeah. I'm sorry. The the one bullet, the sixth round does, you know, I mentioned that Whiteman sacrifices himself. We'll see uh, Alfred Hillinghead sacrifice himself later in the series, albeit in in a bit of a different way. But we learn that Hayden is Polly's son, and the family tree comes a lot more into focus. Uh, You know, we learn that Barber is Hayden uh, Hayden Harker's son. No, no, that is impossible. Why? That, that is impossible. So, all right, how old is Barber in 2023? And, and Hayden was born in, like, well, I can't Well, if Jack remember. is about 50. Like, 
1900, right? So he's probably already 40. Okay. I, so I, I see what you're saying. Stretch it. Like, so that's, that's what I've been saying all along. Like, there's absolutely no way that Barber is Hayden's son unless Hayden, well, okay. The, the one way is if, if, if Hayden lived to be like 80 years old and okay. then had a kid. Okay, so so yeah. here's the deal. I mean, it, 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 we're missing a generation. Yes, that's what I'm saying. And missing a generation, I, right? It, and it's not that that they don't exist; they do exist. We just don't yeah. have any names right, because they're the the people aren't important. You know, whatever. It's not like his mom was a barber, right? Like he took his mom's name, not his dad's name. So, like, you know, there there was something. There's something hanky about that that generation. Right. Okay. And they would have been in their 20s and the 60s. So probably, you know, they were, I don't know, running around, hopped up on LSD and when Barbara was made. Who knows? <laughs> right. <Yeah>. Now, um, <laughs> but, but, you I, know, I mentioned I mean, I, I, we I, get. I just I think uh, about this more and more is that there's, there's absolutely no way. There's, it's, it's, it, I mean, it's not impossible. It's just so staggeringly improbable for, for Barber to be, you know, like, like you said, he, like he's actually probably in his forties, right? In okay. 2023, which meant he was born, let's say 1980 then, right? Okay. He'd be 43 if he's born in 1980. Well, that's a 40 year effing difference between, you know, like 1941 and 1980. There is, there, no, there's no way that he Unless is. he's one of these like 85 year old billionaires that marries a well, 25 you know, year yeah, old. like who is it? Like who 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 just had a kid? Like some super old actor or someone just had a kid. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. So um, yeah, again, it's not completely out of line, but it's just so imp- like there's just no way. Right, we're missing we're a just, generation. We're just missing a generation. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Now you know we, we talk about having proof, and I'm making air quotes uh, of the time loop in this episode, and 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 of course we know that that it is a loop, but the whole I think the whole thing with the fingerprint and the 1890 fingerprint that Hassan gives to her tech person, and she comes back with the news that it's identical to Elias Harker. Well, how can that possibly be? I guess the one nitpick I have with the series and some of the plot details are that, you know, nobody considers that in 2023, somebody could have faked that fingerprint and put it in the 1890 folder. Right. Which, I mean, Occam's razor. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. (laughs) That's it. Um, because that makes it, and you could just, and, but that, you know, then that scene where she, she learns that and Hassan is in her car and she just starts punching the steering wheel. That's, that's so great. Like just her absolute like frustration and anger in there is awesome. I mean, it's not awesome. She's frustrated and angry. I'm just saying the way she portrayed that, because you just know, like this case is just going completely off the rails. Right. But at what point do you you know as one of these detectives accept the fact that time travel is the answer you don't, to that's all of this weird stuff completely and utterly mental it makes absolutely no sense at all. <laughs> right, right. like there's no way like you're right like you know her her thought has got to be and, and even that, but even if that's what she's thinking that someone put Elias like why would someone do that right like there's still a a, a bigger 
plot at play here. Right. Well, we, and even in 2053, time travel is a bridge too far for Maplewood. Yeah. I, I forget her exact re- response, but it's like, you people are effing crazy. <laughs> you know, take her to the throat. All right, fine. So you take her to the throat. What does that really tell her? Okay, well, go walk towards it and you look at your hands. Well, okay. I mean, you know, like you said, but, you know, back in the 70s, I saw things like that. <laughs> so I don't know what that really is supposed to convince Maplewood of. And, right. and of course, right. she's not convinced. Like a shiny thing in the cave and a bunch of equipment like, oh, okay, clearly time travels at play. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. I mean, the one thing that really jumps out at me in the 2053 story is the older Hassan has really hardened. And I don't know if it's a result of losing her child and 30 years have gone by for her to just not be able to let go of it and move on. And, you know, you mentioned vengeance and and revenge earlier. I don't know that that's necessarily what Hassan's all about in 2053. No, I I think she genuinely, like, I mean, Iris says, I mean, that's a great point. I I think. uh, Well, uh, Maplewood and, and, or or, I'm sorry, uh, Hassan and the fact that she in 2053 has, has become so obsessed with you know breaking the loop so that she can go back to the point where the bomb hasn't been exploded yet and she can save her son and hundreds of thousands of other people but as iris points out well what about the other people that wouldn't be alive if we change things right and, um, it, it, you know, it's as if, well, you never thought of that. And I think the answer is not really. And you know what? Now that you brought it to my attention, I don't care. Right. I, well, I, want my son I, I back. think she probably has thought about it, but her, her, her desire to, um, to get her son back, like trumps that, right? Like, like she doesn't care. I, I don't. I, you know, we know Hassan, and, and you're right. Like she is much darker, angrier person in the future, right? Without question. But I, I think really her her end game is, as she tells Maplewood, like, "But my son will be alive, right?" You know. So yeah. for her, it's very simple, right? It's, sure. She doesn't have to think about <clears throat> anything else or other people, um, or what might have happened since. Uh, 2023 well given that we've got our own version of the throat here we'll jump back and forth in time Uh, there you go let's go ahead and stay in 2053 for a moment and you know we see iris in the back seat of the car handcuffed and i again i forget her exact line maybe you have it it's like wine good conversation handcuffs best first date i've ever had yeah uh, hold on, I, I do uh, organic French wine dinner for two handcuffs. Best first first date I've ever had. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, right. But she's kind of hard on herself for being duped by Defoe. And again, so many of these characters, 
I don't think it's fair that you should have seen that. And and right. again, we've we've talked about whether or not uh, we should have seen the clues that Barber is not who he says he is or who we think he is. That that Lorna Iris is neighbor is in on the fix oh we should have seen that yeah yeah. i don't really apology at the end for alan about the lord but the 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 thing about this episode and and when we're in 2053 is that iris I, i mean she's us she's us in this situation being presented with all of this and as i said a minute ago why would you simply accept that all of this weirdness is due to time travel? Well, we don't torture. We educate Hassan tells her and, and brings yeah. her in time travels real. Oh, okay. That's it. I got it. Um, well, no, but then she lays out Mannix is going to go back in time to 1890. He's going to start a cult and, and do all this well, why doesn't Iris immediately think, well, if he's already in charge here in 2053, yeah. why would he want to go back and do it again? Looks like it pretty pretty well worked out. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, for Iris and I think us on the outside kind of analyzing, you know, this whole situation. Well, like you said, you got what you wanted, didn't you? So why are we going back? And and we talked a few weeks back. Well, at what point did the loop start? And was it just, you know, an accident? Did did the and again, I, we've talked about causal loops in the past. I don't know that you know, we ever came up with answers about you know what's the starting point? Why does the loop start in the first place? Right. And so I, I thought I. I and there was one point during this episode, Dave, actually, that I thought, oh, I think we might have what could potentially be a starting point. And that was uh, Sarah Mannix, right? Okay. I thought, okay, well, she made a decision, right? Because she she could have gotten rid of – when she got pregnant, she could have gotten rid of the pregnancy. But she right. didn't. She wanted to keep the baby. I'm like, ah, here we go. And I'm like, oh, but, but wait, but but the dad is his great-grandson. So, yeah, that doesn't quite work out. But still, there is that that element of, of free will here. Like, we, you know, we talked about that last week, right? Like, there's still people making decisions, right? Sarah could have very easily, and she said people told her, get rid of this child. Do not have this baby, right? So she could have. She could have not had the baby she could have given up for adoption there's a bazillion things she could have chosen to do but she didn't right and just like ultimately elias it's going to rely on him making a a choice himself right whether uh, of how the future is going to be it's going to boil down to him making a choice. So despite all of everything that, that Harker has set up and, and all of all of this foreknowledge and all this manipulation of events, it's still they, – they can't completely remove that element of, of, of human choice and the, uh, the you know, free will or the illusion of free will that people exercise. 
Okay. And, and you know, we, we talked about Iris being taken to the throat after she admits that this whole story is a crock of shit. Yeah. And <laughs> that was the line, right? You asked me about that before. I just, as I was scrolling through my notes, I saw that line, but yeah, you got it. Right. So Hassan shows her the portal and tells her that Mannix wants the throat to travel back to 1890. That's where the loop begins, where he creates the timeline of his own existence. Now, is that the answer? Is, is, is she right when she says this? I guess yeah. she's going by what Defoe has told her. So, okay. So, so traveling back in time starts a loop. Yes. That's that. Uh, well, all right. Starts. That's when well, it's a loop, right? That's the thing about a loop. Okay. Like that's what we were just saying. There's, there's no, <laughs> there's actually not a, a start to it. Like the going back in time is just, you could say that's, as much the end of the process as the beginning, right? Sure. Um, now, Defoe talks about the, the, the fact that they don't seem to be able to destroy the throat that, I forget what he says, but basically weaken it so that I guess it's not strong enough for uh, Mannix to go back to 1890 and, and become Harker. But I guess I go back to... an going back the first time is what started the loop. All right. And we always say time travel writers can set up whatever rules they want. So, uh, and, and apparently they can dial in dates with all this computer stuff that well, they have. But, uh, but does he, or does he just go back? Well, like, somebody he knows said, he's going to go back. Like he knows he's going back to 1941. Because he did, right? That's the thing about everything Mannix does. Everything Elias Mannix does is, like we said before, kind of like playing out the script, right? He does what everyone has told him he has to do, what he's done before. This is what you did before. This is what you have to do again. Just do this. Boom, boom, boom. And there you go. Yeah, you but go the back, time trap. You into the-, the throat. You go back. Who cares? You don't have to, there's no, there's no, it's not like quantum leap or whatever. You don't set it for a, actually, I guess quantum leap. He was just randomly flying around. So it is kind of like quantum leap, actually, where he's just randomly going back to something. Well, you know, it's, you're going back to 1890. Yeah, but I feel like I, again, I, it must not have been in this episode, but I feel like I heard somebody in that room at some point talk about, you know, setting it for 1890, but maybe I'm wrong. And, and no, no, you're, you're, you're actually, you're probably right. Um, but I guess what I'm getting at again, in one of the roundabout ways that I seem to do is they could set it for another year. Now, now granted it's always from 2053 to 1890. Right. And then, you know, moves forward. But you know, what if they decided to set it to, 1941 so then is it going to well, start a loop but but that's that's ultimately what what happens right well then would you have the two loops going on to, to 2023 right well that that's happens, true right? right that is true so they so we know that they can dial in specific so i guess you can so yeah, so just all right just anyway throw out everything. Uh, but here's the one thing because like the, the i can't remember who said it and they, they basically said that they've tried multiple times to stop Manix. So, so are they are they conscious of the 
of of, of the, the 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 number of time like you know like are they conscious well i guess they are conscious but do do, do they remember they they can't remember right that they, that their previous loop incarnations right but yet they say we've tried multiple times to stop him it's like it's almost like they're conscious that they this is not the first time they've tried to stop him and they they've been thwarted on a number of occasions now is that a number of occasions within the linear timeline in which they are right now or are they talking about yeah each each time the loop goes around we try something else it doesn't work out but then that that suggests that they're they're conscious and 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 uh can remember their the previous loops right right and that's what i was thinking about as you just said that i i believe the the deal in russian doll was that she was the only one that's right that right recognized and that there was a Russian loop going doll, on and that would totally make right. sense but but it, it, isn't that even you know bill murray in groundhog's day yes he's right? the only one that True. realizes um so yeah so that's an interesting point you bring up do, do they all realize they're in a loop and if that's the case why don't you just lay and wait for manix to come down and shoot him kill him end of story right. well you can't because of the loop yeah, yeah. right because if you remember like the other loops and you would know wait hold on if we bring you know maplewood in here then and, and again, that's when you, when you get into the idea of of time travel, um, you know, it's not actually a thing. So, no, I guess we have to admit that at first. So, you know, to say what's possible and not possible—that's a great thing about writing a show that deals with time travel, because as we've said many times on on, on this podcast. You can do whatever the heck you want. You make sure. up your own rules with time travel, and you know sometimes the the guy you go back in time and you, your clothes get stripped off. You end up naked, like in this one, and then like the Terminator. Uh, sometimes you get in the phone booth and you go back in time, like in Bill and Ted. You know, it's like uh, you get to make up your own rules depending on, on when what you write, and that's, that's fine. That's why we call it science fiction. Right? right. Now Defoe explains how he discovered you know, the throat as part of his Deutsch particle research, temporal displacement, one splits into multiple states of time, which we had talked about that. That seems to be what happens. You know, Defoe goes into the throat, his body splits apart and one appears in each of the four time periods or the three time periods, because he starts in 2053. Or maybe even more because they, all those bodies that we saw in, in Harker house last episode, right? Well, but I guess I always thought, well, those are just part of the loop, but I, I don't know. But when he says, you know, it's possible that he, his body went out to even more timeline or more years. Sure. It's just, they were the, the, you are love group was able to nab those bodies. And this is just like the four times when they couldn't get to the body first. Right. Okay. Good point. Oh, I like it. Yeah, I don't know uh, if that's the case or not. That was just- well, it, but it makes sense. What I'm still having trouble making sense of is, is when Defoe goes on and says, we have naturally occurring time travel. Well, did you invent it or is it? did you find this naturally occur- occurring portal 25 levels below the surface? See, I'm, and maybe it doesn't matter. The, the fact is... We've got the throat. We've got a time travel portal. 
and we're trying to stop Harker, aka Mannix, from using it. So, I, I you know, he gives us the explanation, but I, I guess the main thing we need to take out of it is that when you go into the throat, you split apart, or or do you? I mean, because you mentioned Hassan going from 2053, right? back to 2023 well did she split apart is there a hassan in 1890 walking around naked uh is there a hassan in 1941 so yeah i i, I don't know but i don't i don't i don't know either that's yeah. i i love that i don't remember all the but it, it, you know at first i thought like man like what is wrong with me that i don't remember all this stuff but the more we talk about it, it's like this freaking series is so dense right and and sure. you know we were talking last week about about dark and similarities to dark and while i mean yeah there's some similarities here and there but the one way is it's it's just so dense and so rich with 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 meaning and with with characterization everything it's just like you know there's just so much there like i don't i actually don't blame myself for not remembering all of it dave i'm gonna I give myself a pass on this one if you don't mind i don't mind but what okay, i do you. mind is the way that so many fans of dark are ready to denigrate bodies that well it's good but it's nowhere near as good as dark no nah, you know what it kind of is i'm sorry yeah. And and for a lot of the same reasons that you just uh, explained, so it's very good. I mean, that's the reason I, we're talking about it is because we were just so we both watched it and we're so jacked about it. We're like, dude, we got to talk about this thing, right? I I I, I read uh, the oh gosh, it wasn't on Facebook. It was on uh, oh, I guess it was on Reddit. And somebody was like, well, bodies is sort of the Disney version of dark like stop uh, no <laughs> just just stop yeah um, that's crazy that's crazy yeah. talk there's no um, mice there's no mice yeah. in, in bodies <laughs> i mean you know 1890s london okay probably some mice in the background somewhere but yeah now you know in 1890 uh, hillinghead shows his superior the fingerprints implicating harker and, and again that's one of those things that well, okay, fine. The fingerprint proves he was in the alley sure. sometime, but you can't prove that he was in there when the murder take, took place. Well, yeah. we've got the photograph. Well, he wasn't because the murder took place. Well, I know, know that, but but that's his conjecture. Yeah, right, right. right. Yeah, yeah. And I, I again, I don't see how a detective – it can't see that lack of a connection well, that yeah okay yeah yeah you know, i mean for, first of all like i mean like already uh, you know harker is a very powerful and influential person and um what's his name i can't remember the guy's name but he's you know he, he obviously wants no part of it. he's not gonna bring in a, a rich person to be accused of a crime were you kidding me over here you know like get out of here with that uh, you know, and, and in addition, his like his disdain for the the uh, the art of dactylology, which I actually that's you learn something new every day, and um, you know I, I I got that this time. Dactylology is what we call fingerprinting. Uh, but 
as as a passing fad, right? Right, and, and I know from some of the crime shows that we've watched that that you know this really is at the infancy of, of this technology. So you get that, but still, Harker says, "Well, yeah, I, I was there. I dimmed the light. Um, yeah, that's me in the photo, but I, I didn't kill anybody." And then he asked the chief to leave and get him some tea. That's going to piss him off. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right. It is. Well, and that's but, like why, like, like Elias slash Harker is such a fascinating character because he's, he's not like, he doesn't, he doesn't lie. Right. He doesn't, he, he tells Hillinghead the truth, right? Sure. Uh, everything he says to him is, is absolutely true. Um, and he's like, yeah, I was, totally there i didn't kill him i have no idea who killed him which is true he doesn't know who killed him he i've never went known back, right he went back in time and then um gabriel came after him and he's freaking dead he's like i how that happened i don't know some stuff went down obviously after i went through the, the throat so um you know and it's this again when we talk about polly right with that arrogance slash confidence when you know, she with even with a gun in her face, you know, he's it's that same like arrogance. Like, I my my being here is evidence that everything's going to work out just like it's supposed to, right? So why do I why do I need to lie? Uh, there's no reason for me to lie. There's no reason for me to to fudge or make stuff up. You know, I'll just tell you how it is because you know what, it's happening no matter what, bro. Well, he also kind of lays out you know, the genesis, I guess, of, of his mission statement when he tells Hillinghead, people wake up here every day in shackles. Yep. They're prisoners and they don't even know it. And that's really the kind of world that, that he ends up building. Now, we've talked a few times, you know, does he really start out? really with an altruistic view of what he wants to do and it, it, it somehow gets twisted along the way yeah i guess that's what it would certainly seem but we don't you know we don't know enough about 2050 but, but, but then you're assuming that this is his idea well that's which, true i mean too. It, it kind of is but it was fed to him right sure like this whole idea of you are loved and everything is, is like fed to him and so therefore becomes his and then here we are in the loop again right and everything um in addition but i I still think like at the the core of this because remember it is ultimately it is his decision right it's his decision whether to set the bomb off or not the one time he does the other time he doesn't right so it's completely elias's decision well, you say one time he does, one time he doesn't. So are we to understand that this loop has only occurred once or has, you know, has he set well, the no. bomb off multiple times? Well, yeah. I mean, well, again, loop, okay. right? That means it's right. happened multiple times. Okay. Um, and but from what we see, right, we see one time when he does set off the bomb and we see, you know, ultimately at the end when he doesn't and it's that that free choice again that's that's kind of like the key in in the whole matter well there's so much in this episode uh, i i know i always get to this point and i say all right what else (laughs) yeah well 
I mean, I guess I was like so confused, even like the second time through the difference between Callaway and, and Hayden. I think I was getting those two characters confused like a lot um, because Callaway is that's the guy he goes to. Right. A white He's man actually a good him. guy. Right. Exactly. Right. Like uh, a white man goes to him and confide and tells him everything. Right. Uh, even confesses to murdering the the um the one I can't remember the name that the, the yeah. guy he shot who framed for it originally and then the cop that he killed in the tube station and then Callie's just like all right cool let's figure it out <laughs> you know like uh, and then ultimately arrest him for it before he is himself shot by the actual bad guy which is uh Hayden Harker here right uh, but I was just getting those two like kind of like mixed up a little bit right and and we get the verification that he is in fact, Polly's son. Yeah. He says, hello, mother. Yes. Well, and that's the thing. Like, right, we, we get pretty much, by the end of this episode, right, we pretty much have all the information as to what's kind of going on here. Right. Yeah. So now the question is, is something going to happen that allows them to break the loop? Right. And, of course, we get the answer, we think, which yeah. is another point of contention that, that, uh, you know, once you, you know, tell me everything, I might bring it up this time or I might wait till episode eight. We'll see. I mean, this episode really reminded me of why like the 1941 timeline was my favorite. I mean, it's just like, and, and how Whiteman has really become my favorite character. I think not necessarily the best character, not necessarily the most complex character, but my favorite. I just really, um, I, I love his just, you know, I mean, we saw the transition, right? You know, this it's just me just taking care of myself to now taking care of this kid. And then when she's taken away from him now, like that, that ultimate like vengeance is in his eyes now. Oh, this the, the um, Hassan tries to kill Iris, right? Dave, you there? Yeah, I'm. I'm there. I'm. Oh, I'm okay. trying. I'm sorry. No. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um I, I wasn't sure because I've been monologuing for a while now. Like um, when the when the cops show up, right? When uh, she takes a shot, she pulls actually pulls the trigger, but Gabriel like, uh, you know, like pushes her arm and and prevents her from killing Iris. So. Right. Now, I'm not sure what that would accomplish. You know, I mean, certainly Hassan's been told that Maplewood's important. So does she see Maplewood being important in keeping the loop going? So if I kill her, that might get us one step closer. Okay. I mean, you think about if she had killed Iris, right, then who kills Gabriel? Right. Because Iris kind of gets Gabe killed anyway or yeah well yeah. she's the one who literally pulls the trigger that right that puts a bullet in his head right right so i mean so it's actually gabriel like they, oh man now this is like totally doing my head in um you know gabriel prevents someone from may, potentially stopping his own murder right sure um and then you know of course at the end the 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 record player there and for some reason, Hassan, obviously not learning the lesson from the trailer park, uh, puts a needle on the record. And- yeah, you know, I was thinking about that. So, 
again, what's that all about? I mean, yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I mean, I, I guess probably they didn't know that the record is what I, I don't know. With, with modern like forensics and stuff, I'm sure they must have known how they rigged up the bomb, right? And yet she goes ahead think- and just puts the needle right there on the record. It's like, what are you kidding me? Right. So again, uh, I think a warranted nitpick. Yeah, exactly. Nitpick, maybe warranted a little bit. Or also, is she also developing that arrogance? Because she's been told how important she is to this whole thing, right? Well, there's arrogance and there's just abject recklessness. True. Um, so, but anyway, that was that was crazy, and and then hearing Harker speaking to her saying he remembers all the things that just happened um man that's just woo and then of course there's one thing i know for certain we'll meet again like good stuff i think i, I think i'm good i think okay. I got it all, in. all right well let's go ahead and get to listener feedback and we'll be right back hello dave and wayne and all listeners to sci-fi tv rewatch this is fred from the netherlands with some feedback for the miniseries Bodies, Season 1, Episode 5. Coming back to the Boxing Day, Second Christmas Day discussion. It's, by the way, Second Christmas Day and not Second Christmas, as you refer to in the last podcast. And it's not an easygoing day, per se, that Second Christmas Day, because if you have parents and in-laws... Then you have to visit your parents at first Christmas Day and the in-laws at second Christmas Day or the other way around. And sometimes that even can give stress and discussions in families because first Christmas Day is a kind of more holy than second. So the in-laws will be pissed off if you are going to visit your own parents with your wife or the other way around with your husband on first Christmas Day. So in some families, it's the one year, the one family part is on first Christmas Day and the, uh, the next year it's the other way around because otherwise you get stressed in the family. We celebrate Christmas at home, by the way, in the German way, so having presents as well as the Christmas dinner on Christmas Eve. What also happens, by the way, on the second Christmas Day is that all kinds of associations, clubs, hobby clubs, etc. have a national gathering day or something like that. So in that sense, it is fun and uh, more relaxed. The Netherlands is a country full of hobby clubs associations anyhow well with a country with only 100 by 200 miles that is of course very easy to gather nationally okay let's go into bodies last week there was a discussion whether you could compare it to dark or not because the grading is so high giving every episode a well the episode of last week so episode four i would give a, a plus and I think it earns its merits on its own. Uh, of course, there are similarities with Dark, but uh, yeah, it, it's different and it, it's good. And actually, I did watch it before you decided to do a podcast about it. You got me a little bit confused because in the previous podcast about episode four, you talked quite extensively about Hayden Harker as being the son of Polly and Sir Julian, whereas he appears for the first time in episode 5, the episode we are talking about today. 
And you were also talking about a record that is hidden behind the photograph in the bar, etc. It's all not happened yet. Not even in today's episode, episode 5. Well, it's not spoiler-free, so it's okay. But uh, if you just follow the episode, then it was a bit confusing. Talking about Hayden... Elias' mother is talking about that Barber is a great-grandson of a, a rich banker. But I miss a generation, because if we think that Hayden is the child of Polly and Julian Harker, then I assume that Hayden's wife is a barber, and is Barber's mother. In that case, Barber is the grandson and not the great-grandson of Sir Julian. Sorry guys, I'm a geneticist. Oh, by the way, I did watch Rebel Moon as well, Wayne, and I liked that movie quite a lot, although it had a lot of criticisms. Looking very much forward in April or something like that to the second part, the second movie. I would give that movie a 8 out of 10, although the story is a little weak, but that wouldn't be better in the average Star Wars film. You have to judge it for what it is or what it's supposed to be. It's a kind of rough Star Wars story. Well, originally it was written as a Star Wars script, but not accepted by Disney slash Lucasfilm. Okay, going into episode 5 of Bodies. I actually already wanted to make a remark last week about the compromising photo they took of Alfred with another naked guy, that it wasn't just a naked guy, but that it was the corpse of Daniel Defoe, so also not only showing homosexual interaction, but also linking him to a murder victim. Of course, that becomes much more clear in this episode, but you already could have noticed that last week. When Alfred Hillinghead has his discussion with Julian Harker at the police station, Harker is telling him the truth, and he also said, I don't know who killed Daniel Defoe. He even said, I never knew. So now going back to the seance, how did Lady Harker in the seance know that the murderer of the corpse was Maplewood? She couldn't have heard that from her fake son, Sir Julian, a.k.a. alias Mannix. So perhaps the seance writing machine that starts with M.A. is still meant as Mannix. Although the person that really put the bullet in Daniel DeVoe's head was, of course, Maplewood. So perhaps Alan and I weren't that wrong at all. Of course, you can shoot a hole in this theory when you are not assuming that Harker is telling Alfred Hillinghead the truth, that he never knew who shot Daniel DeVoe. Okay, time's up. Greetings. All the best. Fred from the Netherlands. Hello to Dave Wayne and everyone at Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Alan from England here, mostly about feedback for Bodies, Episode 5, One Another's Ghosts. Talking about being linked to one another, when I think it was Wayne that referred to uh, Fred and I momentarily as Fralin, I did actually spit out a small amount of coffee, and then I laughed a lot. But really, it would be more like Fredn or Fredlin, as Fred's put hundreds of episodes more work into it than I have. Anyway, bodies, one another's ghosts. The titles reveal a key, which turns up right near the end of the episode. 
2023, Barber rescues Hassan, and still there are no clues that he's in on it. Elias is really on the edge. That actor plays a great part. I like the transitions between the times, like where fingerprints are taken as proof in 2023, but considered by some as a mere fad in 1890. Lots of family connections appearing in this episode. Mothers, fathers, sons. I needed a dark-style family tree across all four timelines. I did find an interesting website with the Harker, Calloway, Barber, Mannix family tree, which I've included as a link, but I won't post it directly into the Facebook in case that's too much of a spoiler for someone looking back later. Similarly, I've made my own chart but again, I'll submit that, and if you feel it's appropriate to post it on Facebook, that'd be great. Actually, when you start to look at the, not exactly family tree, but character tree, and you look at IMDb to check out who's playing whom, you pick up a little bit more. Like, for example, who plays young Mullins and old Mullins? Well, and you think, ah, well, then that must be the same employee that's coming from 1890 through into 1941 as the old butler-style guy as the Harkers reach the end of their natural or unnatural lives. And then you think, so was the Mullins butler related to the Morleys? Because Andrew Morley said that Elaine's family had been employed by the family for years. You can have a lot of fun with it. The other thing is, when we think about Gabriel Defoe, who's jumped back in time to four different places, then you think, well, did he also jump forward? Because it seemed to me that this Deutsche Particle thing could project you forwards and backwards simultaneously. But of course, we got no view of those timelines, and probably that was all undone anyway by the final episode. It's in 2051 that we at last see this Deutsche Particle time-travelling device, although, of course, all the Chapel Perilous people had to do was nothing, right? And not invent the device, and then Mannix wouldn't be able to hijack it and go back but that's time leaps for you. I do like Maplewood's statement, if the 2023 bomb is undone, what about all those people who are alive now in 2051 that then might not be? I mean, that is the classic, what happens if somebody went back and killed Hitler? Well, it might prevent World War II, but what else would ensue? There is no way to know. Talking of the Deutsche Particle, there is in fact a Deutsche Particle theory. But it's not Deutsche particle as in the German particle. It's a particle theory as proposed by Oxford University physicist David Deutsch that was talking about consistency conditions to avoid time travel paradoxes. Anyway, it's loops and it's quantum, which is all we really need to know. But it is a thing that somebody actually has discussed outside of the series. Well, that's enough um, time uh, for me now. So take care. Alan from England. All right, Alan in England, thank you for the chart. Uh, you know, there are definitely some useful things on Reddit. Uh, there's a lot of crap for sure, but <laughs> but if you search out the, the, the right groups, um, you know, there there's certainly a lot out there. Um, um, anything else about Alan in England? Well, I just, I mean, I, that's one thing I didn't mention. I did want to talk, not really talk about, but just that, that kid who's playing Elias, that kid is, he is, fabulous man like he's so good like he i totally agree he that kid completely killed it with that part there and everything um i already expressed how i 
think that there's no way that Barbara's Hayden's son. I love that Alan had the loops and quantum, right? Those are like when you're talking in science fiction, you can just say time loops or, or quantum, and that just that explains it. Then you don't have to you just don't worry about it anymore, right? Exactly, which is what I was trying to articulate earlier. Yeah. <laughs> All right, now Fred gives us even more information about Second Christmas. And Fred, I would just say I had enough stress trying to be at two places on one Christmas day. I can't imagine what I would have felt like trying to go back and forth. Uh, You know, I always envied my father. His family lived in New England, so you know, holidays, you know, we just didn't see them and, you know, right. we'd maybe see them once, maybe twice a year. And, and, you know, that was, that was good that my local grandmother came over and that was it. But, uh, I'm, I know I'm preaching to the choir because you, both your families are close by as well. So, but, but my, but my wife's Jewish though. So like, Oh, right. Yeah, oh, so, you so Christmas the, is, well, is well, easy it, for us. <laughs> yeah, good yeah. point. It's it's so. it's super easy, but man, that uh, I I thought like in fact like after I, I heard Fred's feedback, I was talking to my daughter, who's roommate, and a couple of her good friends from our field hockey team are from the Netherlands. I'm like, do you know they have a second Christmas Day? Like that's amazing. And then like then I heard Fred this feedback this week. I'm like, oh wow. This is, sounds so great at all right. <laughs> yeah now because like, wh- in the states like we actually you know boxing day or whatever is a total layabout day except for the people who are like really determined to go and return stuff because there are good deals at the stores but if you're like most people like the day after christmas is you don't do you don't do do anything fred you, you've, you've taken my romantic vision of, of second christmas day you've completely blown it out of the water but yeah but that's our Right. Now, now, Fred brings up that that comment uh, about Harker and, and, you know, the photographs he, you know, uses to blackmail Hillinghead. And I know he mentions a corpse, but I never put it together until Fred brings it up in his feedback that that is Defoe's dead body in the picture. Yeah. You know, I again, I've now seen this episode like, what, three, four times something like that. Yeah, I did not notice it was Defoe's body, but but yeah, there you go. That that totally makes sense because then they get to wrap up like two things, right? Yeah, and then he points out about the seance and and that reveal of the MA, right? But if we go back to as Fred points out, Harker says I I you know I never know yep. knew who killed him. So then, is it Mannix or Maplewood? Well, we know it's Maplewood, well, so then are we supposed right, right. to like lend credence to the seance? Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. After all my poo-pooing of, of spiritual uh, spiritualism, sorry, that's right. Um, that that maybe there were actual uh, supernatural forces at work. A or B, maybe she was actually spelling out Manix, or C, is it just like I mean they only. Sp- spell it the ma so i mean it's just i think it's just a little thing that the the showrunners is thrown at us to uh to get all worked up about but it's essentially meaningless but because but fred's absolutely right like um harker slash elias 
does not know who killed Gabriel. When he says he doesn't know who did it, he's he's speaking the truth. Right. He doesn't know because it right. happened after he went through. So the seance is either legitimately supernatural or it's just a coincidence that she had, you know, went M.A. Or she was spelling out Mannix, maybe as a little dig at her fake son. So, I mean, who knows? All right. Now, you wanted to bring up something about Allen in Minnesota's post in the Facebook group, which yeah. if you haven't been to the Facebook group, people get there um you know alan's got a, a couple great posts that you'll definitely want to check out i think they're in yeah. the, the most recent um episode posting so uh yeah go ahead. so for, alan made me a little nervous referring to the line for goodfellas we said oh I was, he was a little bit insulted like i was like oh 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 man no 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 no, no. alan i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> mea culpa as they would probably say there um i i, I didn't mean to say that it was I probably did say it was obvious that the that Lorna was like not on the line. Um, I guess it's not what I meant. It's just like like her behavior is so over the top and goofy. Like I my I, I was trying to say I think that my radar should have been a little bit more up than it was. But I remember the first time it, it wasn't at all. And that when Lorna tased um, Iris, the first time I saw it, I was like, what? You know, it's totally because she she plays the kind of goofy, dotty neighbor so well. But in now, of course, in retrospect, having seen it once, it seems like, oh, man, I probably should have caught that. But of course, I didn't because they did a really good job. In this. So, Alan, please forgive me. I, I did not mean to say it was obvious and everything. Uh, I'm certainly not casting any aspersions at all. And also, like I said, Nice reference to uh, Goodfellas. But also another thing I, I realized today, as I was listening to The Spectrum on Sirius XM, there's a DJ in there called Demos, who's my favorite DJ. And I realized that while he and Alan don't sound quite the same, I think that was like, I, like Alan, so his voice and everything kind of reminded me a little bit of someone. I think he reminds me of Demos a little bit because they both have kind of like a very – bass silky kind of voices and they're also both very knowledgeable about music so um just today that hit me too alan so hope you uh forgive me in there i've uh also said you're, you're a lot like demos who's a great dj so there you go all right well alan in england alan in minnesota fred in the netherlands thank you guys awesome feedback as always um you know, unless you got any final thoughts, we'll go ahead and get out of here and get ready for next week. As always, Dave, I have no thoughts. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, listen, that'll do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about bodies, anything going on in your genre, TV world, or just TV world in general. Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us. Check out the Facebook group if you haven't already. We'll be back next week to talk about episode six of the Netflix sci-fi thriller Bodies. But until then. So, uh, Dave, were, were you like a, a math guy when you were in high school? How'd you do in your math class? I did okay. You did okay? Yeah, I, I mean, like, I was always, I was struggled in math a little bit, you know. Um, but I just remember in, in geometry for a lot of the year, I just remember I, was, I said to myself, like, often, like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm drawing a line under.